0: Morning. If you don't know John, John's been with us here at Hope now for about a year. This is your Hope Preaching debut this morning. So I'm going to pray for you. And then hand over to you. Father God, we want to thank you for John. Thank you for his preparation this morning. And as we continue this sermon series, looking at what it means to be a distinctive disciple, we pray, Father God, that we'll be encouraged through what we hear. And Lord, we will be edified in such a way that we leave this place today wanting to put what we hear into practice. Uh, Give us ears to hear this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Over to you. Can you hear me? No. no. Hang on, just that's it. That's it. I've got. I've, I feel the power. Feel the power coming through. Um, I'm so appreciative to Luke in asking me to preach. I Hope you will be after about the next half hour. Um, and as, as Luke says, my wife Kim and I have been coming here for about a year. And I'm a bit hesitant in, in what I'm going to say next because it could completely turn you off. Um, I've been a Baptist minister for about 40 years. Alright, still with me? Good, okay. Um, and uh, about half my ministry has been in mental health chaplaincy and about half in local churches. And I was for a time um, a minister at Mutley Baptist Church. But we come to the word today and uh, Luke has given me the title, What Does It Mean to be Grounded? In the word, and we've heard our scripture passage, and the particular verse that would be my text uh, is verse 16. It says, All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I love the title uh, that Luke has come up with grounded in the word. And I just pause for a moment to think about what does that word grounded mean? Well, I think it means firmly fixed having depth, being secure. And I think it means a bit more than that. It it means kind of when we come to the scripture, being sensible, being mature, applying it in our daily lives. And my prayer is that this message this morning will be an encouragement to you to be grounded, to have depth, to have security, uh, to have confidence in the word God of God. I think maybe some Christians, and it doesn't in any way question whether you're saved or anything, but some Christians are a bit afraid of the Bible because perhaps you've been in a, tri- a tradition or it's your own kind of disposition not to have read the Bible very much and uh, when people you know, who seem to know the Bible talk about different books and that, your sense is I'm not going to admit to it, but I I don't really know where to find those books. When people say, oh, you know, the Bible says this and the Bible says that, you're like, you know, I'm not absolutely quite sure what the Bible says. And I think there are lots of Christians, even in our evangelical tradition, that would have to say, to a lesser or greater extent, that's where they stand. And if you're there today, I want to encourage you. I want uh, you to hear God's voice uh, saying, get deeper into my word make a change make a difference take this living book uh, seriously Um, I want just to give a plug for the life groups now uh, I lead uh, one of the life groups and those groups well this is my view I might be told differently afterwards those groups in part are about opening uh, the word of God and studying it together and discussing and looking what God is saying through it. So I know this week uh, that there are some very interesting questions, not specifically based on this message, but on the kind of theme of this message. So I want to encourage you, be in a life group uh, this week, confront those very challenging questions as they're aids really to thinking about your involvement uh, in the Scriptures. Now I always want to put a passage uh, into its context. So we've read a passage from 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this is part of a letter, the second letter, written by the Apostle Paul uh, to Timothy. Paul wrote it at a time when he was imprisoned during the Neroan persecution. Emperor Nero brought a persecution on the church. And so this letter is dated... About 66 67 AD. As I said, it was to Timothy, and at this time, Timothy was the pastor at the church in Ephesus. And Paul knew that church pretty well because he had spent two years in that church. Paul was a kind of spiritual father to Timothy. Paul wrote to guide and encourage Timothy. But he was also concerned about the church at Ephesus during this time of persecution. Paul was familiar with Timothy's family circumstances. And I, 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 don't know, I know not many of you have got Bibles, but if you've got a Bible, look down. I mean, you've got one at home, I know that, but I mean, you've not got one with you here this morning. But look down at verse 15. Because Paul makes an observation that is very relevant to our theme today. He says in verse 15, he says, And how from infancy, he's talking to Timothy, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. He's talking to Timothy. How from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Elsewhere, Paul makes reference to Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice who were both Christians and who as this verse suggests uh, introduced the infant Timothy to the scriptures so he had a godly mum and grandma who from his earliest days would have introduced him to the Old Testament because that would have been for them the scriptures I want to ask a question of Christian parents here today Particularly, perhaps, if your children are small, are young in years, are infants. Have you introduced them to the Scriptures? Do you read the Scripture? Do you tell Bible stories to your child? Hey, they're in Sunday school, you say. They're in the creche. Great! It's not enough. Mums and dads... We need to be reading the scripture to our children. What shall I get them for Christmas? Amidst all the plastic, get a book of Bible stories that you can read to your kids at Christmas. And you know, there's a word of encouragement here. A word of encouragement if you are a single parent or if your partner is not a Christian. Eunice's husband is is not identified as a Christian in the Scriptures. He's just labelled a Greek. So our assumption is, here was a lady who was a Christian and her husband wasn't a Christian, and yet she brought her son up in the Bible. And if you're on, on your own as a Christian in your family, there's a word of encouragement. Being grounded in the word means, and I just have two points, it means recognizing the authority of Scripture and the application of Scripture. Our text begins with the words, all scripture is God breathed. The contents of our New Testament was agreed in the fourth century AD. There's some evidence from church history. I'll share a little bit of church history with you now, if that's all right. Athanasius was the patriarch of Alexandria. And in his Easter, his Paschal letter in 367 AD, he listed the books of the New Testament as we have them. And then at the Council of Carthage in 397, uh, the church formally uh, adopted the New Testament books as we have them. So our New Testament in its composition goes back uh, to the 4th century. How did you get your book into the New Testament? Well, there were three criteria. The first was that it was written by an apostle. I hope this is turning over in your mind. Written by an apostle. Do we have any books in our Bibles that were not written by apostles? Yes, we do. Please, I'm giving the answers, aren't you? Yes, we do. Because we have Luke and Mark Neither of them were apostles, because of the, but because of their focus on Jesus, they were, they were included in the canon of Scripture. Secondly, the books needed to be accepted and used by the churches. And thirdly, they needed to contain sound doctrine. That's how you got uh, accepted as a book and that's how you got into the New Testament. If you've got a Roman Catholic friend, uh, I hope you do have Roman Catholic friends. Uh, then their book is a little bit thicker than their, uh, their Bible is a little bit thicker than ours because they have got the Apocrypha, 13 uh, books that weren't accepted in the Protestant tradition uh, as part of the canon of Scripture. But what does it mean that Scripture is God breathed? It means that the contents of the Bible have been spoken by God. In other words, and hold on to this, this is a huge encouragement to read the scripture. This is a, a huge affirmation of the blessing that God is going to bring to you if you are grounded in the word. Scripture is breathed means that the scriptures have originated in God's mind. They have been communicated through his mouth. And they have been guarded by his hand. When human agents have in communication, speaking, or even in that council of Carthage, uh, people decided what would would be in the New Testament, uh, the hand of God guided them in that Decision. Scripture is vitally and intimately linked with God. God shares himself in Scripture. It is a window for us on the heart of the divine. Do you want to get to know God? Do you want to understand his purposes? Do you want more of his power in your life be grounded in the word scripture is a revelation of what God is like but most significantly it is a revelation of Jesus our saviour and our Lord let me read to you there are five verses but let me read to you what the psalmist says about scripture and you, you understand the significance of his word when you recognize that all scripture is God breathed and what that means he writes this the law of the Lord is perfect refreshing the soul the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy making wise the simple the precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart the commands of the Lord are radiant giving light to the eyes The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Wow! The scripture is a window for us into the heart of god and when we realize that can we put it to one side can we bypass it can we say oh let the bloke up or the woman up the front deal with the bible no every one of us needs to take it in our hand and read it we've been talking about what paul has said but peter an apostle addresses the subject of the involvement of human beings in the transmission of scripture and he says in 2 peter 1:21 these words above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's interpretation for prophecy never had its origins in the will of man but men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit peter is saying that our Bible is written over a long period by a great variety of people in lands from Babylon to Rome, but it does not include content that originated with its earthly and its human authors. It does not include what they personally wanted to say, but the contents come from God. These writers of the Bible, of the Scripture, had a companion. And that companion was the Holy Spirit. And in that passage from Peter that I read to you, we have that word phrase, carried along. And the Greek translation is a, is a word that's used to, refer, a sh- to a, refer to a ship that is carried along by the wind. The metaphor is that the prophet raised their sails and the Holy Spirit filled them and carried their words and their writings in the direction with the content that the Holy Spirit wanted. I could go into talking about theories of inspiration and everything. There are at least four theories of inspiration. How actually God worked through men and women to write the scriptures. And I personally favour... The the theory that God worked through the character, the nature, the personality of the person who had the pen in the hand. Not that human beings were kind of divine typewriters and God just kind of pressed the keys and it didn't connect with the minds of the person who writ them. But God worked organically through the people who were actually wielding the pen or the quill or whatever uh, it was. And I think that's evident because as you read the Scriptures, they're so different. And the personality, uh, the nature, the characteristics of the person who wrote it come through. So we have identified how the Holy Spirit worked in people who penned the Scriptures. But what about the work of the Holy Spirit in those of us who will read the Scriptures? How does that work? Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you everything I have said to you. Paul says, No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And the psalmist writes, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God, and your good spirit will lead me on level ground. In other words, We need the help of the Holy Spirit in reading, in understanding, in interpreting and in applying scripture. And I want to encourage you to pray before you read the Bible. Pray that the Holy Spirit will give you understanding. And there's an old sort of picture and I think it's valid that the Bible is the textbook And the Holy Spirit is the teacher. We need both. Our text says all scripture is God breathed. There are different styles, as we've said, in the writing of the Bible between prophecy, poetry, narrative, law, and more. We need to interpret the scripture having in mind the style in which it is written. The pinnacle of Scripture is Jesus. The most invaluable, important part, being very careful how I use my words, of the Scripture is the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Saviour and our Redeemer. But our text says, and we need to take it seriously, our text says that all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, it's saying every verse of the Bible has something to say. We cannot minimise it. We cannot exclude parts of the Bible. We need to interpret the scripture with the scripture. But I think it's a tendency, if I don't like what it says or if I find it hard to understand or hard to believe... There's a temptation to put parts of the Bible to one side. But listen to what our text says. All Scripture is God-breathed. We acknowledge that those passages about Jesus are the pinnacle. But we mustn't ignore any part of Scripture. We must take it all Scripture seriously. When we take the Bible seriously, we are grounded in rock, not in sand. And then my second point, do you think someone by the bar could just bring me a glass of water, please? I thought we'd one up here, but I know you guys know these plastic bottles, don't you? That would be really helpful. Second point is the application of Scripture. James writes, do not li- merely listen uh, to the Word and so deceive yourselves to what it says. Thank you very much. Oh, that's good. I'll say that again. James writes, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what I command. Now, what does people out in the world think about the Bible? What do people where you work, where you study, where you go for recreational activities, what do those people think about the Bible? Well, it would be very interesting to ask them. You could say, some old bloke preached about the Bible at church on Sunday. That's me in beige. And uh, when you go to those places, uh, say to people, what do you think about the Bible? That would be a very interesting kind of start of a discussion, wouldn't it? But I have to say, and you'll know this, most people in our world have written the Bible off. Written it off from an academic perspective, suggesting there is some kind of critical analysis that means that the Bible is invalid. Some people, from a kind of an ethical point of view, have said, "Oh, it's all it's all full of bloodshed and uh, and killing. It's not for us modern, sophisticated women and men." Others, from a kind of individualist perspective, have said that um, I don't like what the Bible says. Uh, it doesn't give credence to my lifestyle, so I'm not going to have anything to do it. Some, from a liberal point of view, uh, Was say that I'm going to live my life how I want to live it and no old book is going to tell me what I should do. But as Christians, we know, to quote Psalm 19, the Bible is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The Bible is a book, and we've said this, that introduces men and women to Jesus. Paul writes to Timothy, In verse 15, he describes the scripture as able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, the scriptures, the Bible, introduces worldly, rebellious, sinful men and women to a divine knowledge, to the potential, through Jesus Christ, of knowing the living God. This wisdom leads to a knowledge of salvation. How you can be saved. How you can be put right with God. How you can know a relationship with him. How you can realise that when Jesus died on the cross, he died there for me. That I might have life and life in all its abundance. And that this salvation, this fresh start, this new forgiveness, this, this... Rightness with God comes through trusting in Jesus and what he did on the cross. That's the message of the Bible again and again. That's the message that our broken and fallen world, men and women in it, need to hear. The Bible, if you, if you like, is a kind of love letter. And uh, again and again, it speaks of a God who loves each one of us if I was starting to sing a song which I will not do uh, I would be singing that old hymn Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so amen, amen. Ooh, and, uh, in uh, verse 16 Paul reminds Timothy of four ways in which the Bible is useful or of value to him and to the church that he was serving. His congregation and Jesus disciples of every generation need to hear this. I need to get that mic. I have sabotaged the one in the pocket. Okay. That on? Okay. Uh, yeah, these four things in our, in our text verse. He says the Bible is good for teaching. The Bible imparts knowledge concerning God, his purpose, his revelation, as we have said, primarily of Jesus. The scripture is good for rebuking. Scripture warns us. It identifies errors in doctrine and conduct. Dangers are pointed out. Sometimes I think the Bible screams to us, Don't do it, and we need to heed its warning. The Bible is there for correcting. Now, this is an interesting one. This carries the idea of restoration, bringing us back to God, getting the believer on the right path. It's a work of restoration. It's a work of grace. And I just wonder whether there is one person, two people here today, and that's a message for you that, you know, your attitude to the Bible is a kind of reflection of where you are spiritually. And you need to come back. You need to come back, first of all, to God. You need to come back to the Bible. You need to be restored. You need to know again God's love and God's grace. That's you. Open your heart to that today. And fourthly, it says the scripture is good for training in righteousness. Only God is righteous but uh, we are trained in righteousness through the scriptures we're taught how to live a life that honors god this training is tough because we live in a world that serves another master it may be tough and it's lifelong but it's worthwhile and now because i'm holding this i can't turn the pages in notes i've done it Paul concludes the section by summing up what, this, what Scripture is all about. He says in verse 17, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And let me remind you, brothers and sisters, being grounded in the Word is not a kind of barely-get-by strategy for a living. It's about abundant living as a Christian. Scripture comprehensively, this is what Paul is saying, Scripture comprehensively equips us so that we can tackle or entertain whatever work or challenge God puts before us. Whatever hardship you face, the Bible can help you. I believe that Christians... Our Christian lives are poverty-stricken if we are not receiving the refreshment of the Bible. We are missing out if we're not reading the Bible regularly, taking it seriously and grounded in the Word. I want to, as I conclude, and you'll be glad it's over, uh, call us all today to a fresh commitment to the Scriptures be grounded in the word. Taking the Bible seriously goes hand in hand with loving Jesus. May I pray. Almighty and ever loving God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the written word that we in our country and culture have such easy access to. Lord, forgive us if we've disregarded it. Lord, forgive us if we said, I'll let the person up the front deal with it, or those kind of super Christians, let them read their Bibles. Lord, this book is for every one of us. It introduces us to the heart of God. It reveals Jesus. Lord, may your Holy Spirit ignite a fire in each one of us that we want to read your word. We want to live by it. We want to be grounded in the scripture. And Lord, for that man or that woman who needs that sense of correction, bring brought back to God today. May that be their experience as the Holy Spirit touches their lives. May they come back to God and his word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.